Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is Impeachment, a daily podcast from WNYC. I'm Brian Lehrer. It's Wednesday, October 23rd. So we've been covering all this congressional testimony about the Trump-Ukraine scandal, right? Drip, 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 a little new damning testimony every day toward conclusions of bribery or extortion of Ukraine, quid pro quos, if you prefer that term. And for what? For illegally soliciting 2020 campaign help from a foreign government. You know these basics by now. But if it's been drip, 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 yesterday was more like a geyser, a burst pipe, a waterfall. The witness was Trump's current ambassador to Ukraine, William Taylor. He's the guy Secretary of State Pompeo handpicked to replace the previous ambassador, Marie Ivanovich, because remember, she wasn't pro-investigations enough. William Taylor testified yesterday, and his 15-page opening statement was released to the Washington Post. In a detailed day-by-day account, Ambassador Taylor described being told, especially by Trump's EU ambassador, Gordon Sondland, that Trump wanted Ukraine's President Zelensky to make a public statement of his determination to get to the bottom of any corruption involving the Bidens and the Ukrainian energy company, Burisma, that Hunter Biden was on the board of, and a theory that Ukraine, not Russia, hacked the DNC's emails in 2016, and it was to help Hillary Clinton, not Donald Trump. According to Taylor, Trump wanted President Zelensky to name these investigations out loud in a public pronouncement. Taylor's 15-page statement is online. If you want to read the day-by-day log of what he saw and heard this summer, Taylor has apparently been known for years as a meticulous note-taker in his State Department work. But here's just one morsel for now. Quote, Ambassador Sondland tried to explain to me that President Trump is a businessman. When a businessman is about to sign a check to someone who owes him something, he said the businessman asks that person to pay up before signing the check. But Taylor also texted at the time, I think it's crazy to withhold security assistance for help with a political campaign. So drip, 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 now downpour. It might have been a watershed day. Let's see where we are with Yahoo News Chief Investigative Correspondent Michael Isakoff, who is also co-author of the book on the Russia investigation called Russian Roulette. Hi, Michael. Thanks for coming on today. Great to be with you. What was most significant about Ambassador Taylor's testimony to you? Well, just the the specifics, the details, the fleshing out of the sort of broad story that we've been covering for the last month or so. Uh, Look, uh, when um, Mick Mulvaney made that uh, extraordinary press conference last week, uh, those comments at the presser, in which he basically acknowledged there was a quid pro quo. I mean, the the deal, the, you know, the, the basic outlines of this deal were clear, but but Taylor fleshes it out uh, with granularity uh, and and the real anguish that he felt as a career diplomat seeing this play out um, on his watch. Uh, we knew about that text message that he had sent on September 9th to um, uh, to Ambassador Sondland saying it's crazy to uh, withhold security assistance for help with a political campaign. We now know 
how he got to that point, uh, the uh, conversation he has with Sondland the week before, in which Sondland, the political appointee, the ambassador to the European Union, who seems to have taken on the Ukraine brief himself, um, uh, had told him that after talking to Trump, everything, quote, ev- quote, everything was dependent on Zelensky making this announcement, uh, including security assistance. Um, in order to get the security aid, to fight Russian aggression, uh, Trump wanted Zelensky to make this public announcement about investigations into the Bidens and 2016 right. election. Right. Let me, let me um, go to that testimony, and I'm going to read you one paragraph and read everybody listening, one paragraph from William Taylor's testimony uh, as released as his written opening statement yesterday, this idea of wanting Zelensky, quote, in a public box. He said, this is again from Ambassador Taylor's public testimony yesterday, the written opening statement, quote, Ambassador Sondland also told me that he now recognized that he had made a mistake by earlier telling the Ukraine officials to whom he spoke that a White House meeting with President Zelensky was dependent on a public announcement of investigations. In fact, Ambassador Sondland said, Everything was dependent on such an announcement, including security assistance. In other words, not just a White House meeting, but also the military aid and other security assistance, totaling about $400 million. And then this goes on. Sondland said that President Trump wanted President Zelensky in a public box, and that's Taylor quoting uh, what he was told that Trump wants, quote, in a public box by making a public statement about ordering such investigations, uh, and, it, and it, so it goes on. So what do you see as the significance of Trump insisting that Zelensky announce investigations in public? Well, look, if you had taken the text messages that had come out uh, the, um, in the previous weeks, um, you could have read them to say that the quid pro quo was really just about a meeting, not the security assistance, right? And a public announcement by Zelensky for a meeting is unsavory, but it's not quite as serious as um, a holdup on the military aid. The military aid, that's money, that's real. That's um, It's uh, life and death. Taylor said it's, it's life, life and, and death. death. It's the, the death of Ukrainian so, people because right. Russia will be more free to invade. In the, in, in the passage you just read, it's explicit. It's not just the meeting, it's the aid itself. And then you go on uh, uh, just a few graphs later in Taylor's testimony where he recounts this uh, uh, remarkable conversation he has on September 7th with Tim Morrison, a National Security Council official who has taken over for Vienna Hill as the Russia-Ukraine uh, desk officer in the NSC. He's now uh, emerging as a uh, looking like a pretty in, in, a crucial witness. He tells uh, Taylor, he had a sinking feeling after listening in on a conversation or learning about a conversation that Sondland had just had with Trump. And according to Morrison, Trump told Sondland that he was not seeking a quid pro quo, but he was insisting that Zelensky go to a microphone. 
and say he is opening investigations of Biden and the 2016 election interference. And I and imagine Zelensky should do it himself. And I imagine um, that Trump wanted to have it as a campaign talking point. Another country has seen fit, a head of state has seen fit to open an investigation into these things. So you see, American people, Biden must be corrupt, and the 2016 Russia story must yeah. have been a hoax. Something like that, don't you think? Uh, yeah, no, that's you know, that, that's pretty clear. So I think that the um, the no quid pro quo defense, which was which has been the White House defense uh, and the Republicans' defense, uh, at, you know, for the past month as this has been um, unfolding, you know, pretty much collapses with uh, Taylor's testimony combined with these text messages combined with uh, the other uh, testimony that's come in um, you know there's a conflict there by the way between Sondland and um, uh, and Taylor uh, Sondland had been insisting he never would have been a part of any quid pro quo that was his testimony last week it's now clear that he was uh, so at this point one of the things that's going to have to happen is both Sondland and Taylor have to come back and testify and clear up this very clear discrepancy mm -hmm. uh, and you know hopefully that will be in public and we, we need to like take note of that why at this point is all this still uh, uh, taking place behind right. closed doors this right. is testimony this is vital testimony the public should be able to see it hear it evaluate the credibility of these witnesses uh, I, I think the Democrats are starting to realize this they cannot you know maintain these this closed-door testimony uh, for much longer they're gonna have to make their public case and bring all these very important witnesses back before the TV cameras to testify in public and I think the Trump defense against Taylor is basically three things so far. One, it's just hearsay. Two, the hearings are so far taking place in private, as you just referenced. And three, the president writes Taylor off in a tweet as a radical, unelected bureaucrat. He didn't say that about Taylor specifically, but about this whole group of yeah. State Department officials who have been testifying, radical, unelected bureaucrats. And I actually want to take each of these briefly. First, hearsay. Did Taylor personally, did Taylor personally hear the president say these things about demanding Ukraine and the Bidens and 2016 be investigated? No, he's, he did not. He's hearing it from Sondland. He's hearing it from Morrison. There is um, documentary evidence, though, which would be more than hearsay of Taylor's text messages to Ambassador Sondland in the summer in which he stated in writing that he saw this as U.S. military aid for help with Trump's reelection and Ambassador Sondland's responses to him also in writing. So what does that do to a defensive hearsay? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I mean, hearsay can be evidence uh, if it's corroborated elsewhere. And, uh, you know, you have the contemporaneous text messages. Uh, you have these other witnesses. Let's hear from Tim Morrison. I mean, he's serving on the National Security Council 
right now he was in the middle of this um he was relaying what he had been told about these conversations or what he learned from these about these conversations so uh, i mean that's you know crucial testimony uh this is this is um you know this is how you build a case uh and let's also remember that you know Sondland um you know, he was talking directly to the president. Now, is he going to deny what um, Taylor says he told him? Maybe, right. but, you know, that's why we need these public hearings. Well, well, in fact, I thought it might be useful for our listeners following impeachment news at this point in the conversation to take a minute and put Taylor's testimony side by side with other witnesses, most of them Trump appointees, who have also testified. So I went back over accounts of some of the other witnesses from the last two weeks. And we have, for example, Fiona Hill, who was Trump's Russia and Ukraine advisor. She testified that National Security Advisor John Bolton was furious about Rudy Giuliani's politically motivated shadow Ukraine operation. She's the one who said Bolton described Giuliani as, quote, a hand grenade who's going to blow everybody up. So that's Fiona Hill. Kurt Volker, Another Trump Ukraine envoy testified that he and William Taylor and Acting Assistant Secretary of State Phil Reeker shared with each other their concerns about Giuliani. Volker said they, quote, were just very uncomfortable with him being active. Then there's Michael McKinley, Secretary of State Pompeo's senior aide until two weeks ago. He testified that he just resigned because of, quote, what appears to be the utilization of our ambassadors overseas to advance domestic political objectives, unquote. And Gordon Sondland himself, Trump's controversial EU ambassador, who, by the way, is not a career diplomat, but a career hotel developer like Trump, who donated a million dollars to the Trump campaign and then poof, was named ambassador to Europe. Even Gordon Sondland testified that he came to realize there was an effort, quote, to involve Ukrainians directly or indirectly in the president's 2020 reelection campaign, unquote. And, Michael, all I did there was cut and paste from a few news articles yeah. from the last few weeks. But you see how it's all consistent. Yeah, it, it's certainly consistent. Like I said, you know, what I was saying before, the, 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 the defense of no quid pro quo, um, I think, has pretty much collapsed at this point. So the real issue is, um, is this sufficient um, for impeachment and removal? Uh, and I think that, you know, we need to see and hear that public case uh, to break through, but the, the the outlines of the case and the details of the case are pretty clear at this point. And we're going to get back to that private, we're going to come back to that private testimony versus the public testimony that everybody agrees needs to come in a minute. But let's take another Trump defense that I mentioned, that Taylor and other recent witnesses are just, quote, radical unelected bureaucrats. Trump tweeted that yesterday as Taylor was starting to testify. So let me take a minute for listeners, again, who aren't following this at the level of granular detail, to share a little bit of William Taylor's bio. He was a West Point cadet. He fought in Vietnam. He started his civilian service in the federal government for President Reagan. He was first appointed Ukraine ambassador by President George W. Bush. He did that from 2006 to 2009. He did not serve President Obama, is my understanding, but rather was part of an organization 
that lobbied Obama to do more for Ukraine than Obama was doing. And then he was brought back this year by Secretary of State Pompeo, obviously a Trump loyalist, to replace Ambassador Yovanovitch, who was recalled because she wasn't pro-investigations enough. Again, Taylor was handpicked by Pompeo, presumably to go along with the Trump agenda. So what happens if they do hold public hearings and they compare that history of service with the president's or with Gordon Sondland's, if there's a discrepancy between their testimony, in terms of witness credibility? I mean, look, to describe somebody like Bill Taylor with that kind of background, who served Republican and Democratic administrations, who fought for his country, who was George Bush's ambassador to Ukraine as a radical, I mean, it just, it's nonsense, obviously. I mean, it just, it's hard to see how one can credibly sustain an argument like that. Now, I mean, credibility is important. Seeing and hearing witnesses, you know, that's what trials are for. That's what, you know, public testimony and hearings are for. Uh, and um, uh, But just given the resume that you've just read, I mean, the idea that you can dismiss this kind of testimony as coming from uh, politically motivated people just doesn't hold up. All right, let's get to the private testimony, public testimony, yes. defense. Here's what Lindsey Graham demanded on Fox News last night in the context of saying these hearings so far are illegitimate. All I'm asking is give Donald Trump the same rights as Richard Nixon and Bill Clinton had when it comes to impeachment. And I'm insisting that Donald Trump be given the same rights every American has if you're given a parking ticket to confront the witnesses against you. Can't be based on hearsay. So, Michael, why are these hearings being held in private? Well, I think... There are the public explanations, which we've heard from Chairman Schiff, and then there's what I think are the real uh, political reasons for it. You know, Schiff has said, look, we need, we don't want witnesses to coordinate their testimony. We're in the investigative phase right now. Uh, this is standard, um, and that's why we're doing this. Uh, you know, there is something to be said for that, but given the fact that the testimony is leaking out anyway. Um, you know, the idea that you're preventing witnesses from coordinating their testimony, I don't think really holds up at this point. Um, when you talk to Democrats in private, what, they're t what they tell you is, do you remember that Lewandowski hearing <laughs> before judiciary? You want another circus like that? They're afraid that if they have, when they get to public hearings, uh, it's going to turn into a political food fight that will diminish the uh, mm. uh, serious work they're trying to do. Uh, I understand that, but, you know, look, democracy is messy. Um, it's in, and it's also inevitable. You cannot continue to do this behind closed doors. I've covered congressional hearings for decades now. You know, this is not the first time we've seen something like this. And generally, you know, the way it worked, the way it worked during Senate Watergate committee hearings, the way it worked during campaign finance hearings in the 90s is you take the depositions and then a few days later you bring the witnesses in public to testify in public. That's the way it used to be done 
that's the way it should be done here. So, uh, you know, I, I am a little bit at a loss. And when you press Democrats, it's how are you going to get from where we are now with this incredibly damning testimony to where you need to go to make that public case? And I don't think they've figured it out yet. Hmm. They know they've got to do something in public, but who's going to hold well, those public hearings? Is it going to be Schiff or is it going to be the Judiciary Committee? Um, when are they going to get to them? They've got to bring everybody back. That's scheduled. This could take a while, probably longer than they really want it to take. Well, in our last minute for now, here's one scenario. Wouldn't they be called to do that at a Senate trial of the president if the House impeaches him? Does the Senate yeah, process... Of course there's going to be a trial, but go back to history. But I mean, li- it's like a courtroom trial with live witnesses and the cross-examination that Lindsey Graham was calling for there? Yes, yes. But to get to that point, you've got to make the public case. And I think that, you know, the the House has its responsibility to conduct its business in public. That's the way it worked in Nixon. That's the way it worked in Clinton. Um, By the way, you know, there were public hearings in the Clinton impeachment. Uh, David Kendall, Clinton's lawyer, got a chance to grill Ken Starr in public before the Judiciary Committee. Um, Even in the Nixon days, you know, Nixon's lawyer had a chance, had an opportunity to be in the room to question witnesses. Lindsey Graham has a point on this. The Republicans do have a point on this. It doesn't negate the incredibly significance of what's of the testimony that's going on, but I am a transparency guy. I want it in public. I want everybody to see and hear these witnesses. Transparency guy, as reflected by his title, Chief Investigative Reporter for Yahoo News. Michael Isakoff, also co-author of the book, Russian Roulette. Michael, thanks so much. Anytime. Listeners, we want to hear from you. Call us with your questions about the very not phony emoluments clause and how Trump's businesses are related to impeachment, which is part of what we'll be talking about on tomorrow's episode. Give us a call and leave us a voicemail, and you might get to hear your voice on the podcast. The number is 844-745-TALK. Just leave us a message. Again, it's 844-745-8255. We'll also take your general questions, thoughts, feelings, ideas, and anything else you want to share with us about what you're watching for in the impeachment inquiry. While we were recording this episode today, my WNYC colleagues Andrea Bernstein and Ilya Meritz, who host the Trump Inc. podcast, were at a federal courthouse in Manhattan covering the arraignments of Lev Parnas and Igor Fruman. Remember, these are the two associates of Rudy Giuliani arrested for, and this is straight from the indictment, engaging in a scheme to funnel foreign money to candidates for federal and state office. So tomorrow on the show, we'll talk to Andrea Bernstein about those cases and more. Impeachment, a daily podcast, is excerpted from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lair Show, 10 a.m. to noon at WNYC.org.